0: Hey, I'm Judy Carter, and you're listening to the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love doing. And my guest is all about love. His name is Dr. Steven Eisenberg. And you might wonder, why is an oncologist from San Diego on this broadcast? But what's so funny about being an oncologist? Well, let me tell you a little bit about this very extraordinary man who's my guest on my show. Uh, Dr. Eisenberg helps people get over cancer in a very unusual way. Yes, he, use, he does chemo. Yes, he's an MD. But he also uses humor. And he just has created the most wonderful book, run out and get this. It's called Love is the Strongest Medicine, notes from a cancer doctor on connection, creativity and compassion. So glad to have you here.
1: Judy, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. You're one of my idols. (laughs) Your Bible is my Bible, the comedy Bible. I think I'm the only un- medical oncologist in the world who is also an aspiring <laughs> stand-up comic. I'm your student. I'm your, uh, your dedicated student, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you. You've helped me uh, with my talks and so oh, yeah. much of my life. Do you I'm know what's so, so happy. great?
0: That was so great when um, cuz that's how we met you you had to do a speech at some medical convention and they can yep. be pretty stuffy, right?
1: Oh my god, they're they <laughs> everyone falls asleep. No, everyone leaves. They and leave. I said I want to make I want to have this be informative, entertaining, fun and so people want more. Leave them wanting more, right?
0: Oh yeah, and <laughs> and well that's what I've been telling people on this podcast like I'm trying to get comics to put a message into you know your your humor and you get gigs at these at these uh, healthcare conventions so you got up on stage and and what I remember so well was that your premise was floppy, right you had a patient
1: oh yeah, she's and, in the book and, it's a big and, part of it
0: and you had a mess in your life you were totally stressed your life was falling apart and your patient who had, Cancer, um, yeah. said to you, "Hey doctor, you don't look so good, right?" Hey doctor E,
1: <laughs> forget about me today, but you look like crap.
0: Yeah, What's going I- on
1: with your life, doctor E? And I and and I was yeah, it was my patient Flavi in that hospital room, and this is this this our book goes way into the backstory, but she called me on my own BS of walking around a stress ball. And she said, how are you going to take care of all of us if you don't take care of yourself? And wow. she was the one. And, and you told me you got to get into her voice and you got to get out there and you have to tell this story because there's, there's so much burnout. There's so many doctors who are unhappy and you can't l- deliver good care when you're burned out. And so we told this story with your help. You got me into my character. you made my, I, and I tell the story of my mess to success. And that's a big story that is weaving through the book. The book tells the patient stories, but through the eyes of this doctor, who's on the verge of burnout and it's the patience and the love and the light and the laughter and the music that saves my soul. They had to shock me back into who I knew I wanted to be for these patients but the business and the perfectionism and the whole thing of of trying to be the best was slowly, slowly sucking the creativity and the love and the passion out of me. So that was my mess to success. And that's a big part of this book that anyone can go through it. You don't have to be an oncologist. You don't have to be a lawyer who's, you don't have to be a professional, but you have to connect you go deeper into the connection and that can prevent burnout. It's the exact opposite of what you think it is. You got to go deeper yeah, and connect more. I, see, I hear what
0: you're saying. Like, like many people just, uh, you know, push it away and soldier on, right? Isn't that how we kind of yes. handle this? Just soldier on and then we find ourselves eating more and drinking more. And, yes. you know, um. And, and 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 we just did a podcast, I think our last one, which was um, where we talked about imposter syndrome that a lot of people, creative types, feel like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. And and I feel like you're a perfect example of that we really speak about what we need to learn. Right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes.
0: Because what was your burnout? What was your, like, bottom there? With being oh, my the, God. You know, I, what was I that was... like?
1: It was horrible. It was a complete mess. Uh, I was completely stressed out. I joined, I I moved across the country to join a, a really, you know, great practice. But I was unprepared to jump into the world of private practice where you have to make it. You have to make it. You've got to be number one. You've got to beat all the other <laughs> oncologists. You've got to be build the best and brightest practice. And I was this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new oncologist who wanted to bring guitars into the chemo suite and and spend tons of time with the patient and get to know them at the personal level, do all this, you know, what at the time was considered soft, the softer part of the science, right? The touchy feely. And later I'll tell you how it's not such a soft science anymore that when the care is the same, people do better when their care is delivered with compassion, but we'll get into that. But i
0: I, 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 yeah, so go ahead, go ahead with your bottom.
1: and so, yeah, so, as, as I was trying to be the number one, the best, the best and the brightest, and, and, and build the practice and build the best business, right? It was not just giving the best care. I had to learn how to have to be the best business person as well to make this practice successful and earn my keep. I had to learn this whole new world. And it was tearing me apart because I lost the sense of connection, creativity, compassion. I, I, I went, I was going through the motions. I was doing what I thought I should do to just do the best and to build and to build and to build and to build and to build. And it was just killing me. And I started feeling sick. I started feeling sick. I had irritable bowel. I had migraines. I had muscle pain. I wasn't sleeping. I was in a vicious cycle, the vicious cycle. And I was just going down and down until I got cancer myself. This was about the time that I met Flavy. I had this aggressive skin cancer on my chest. I needed a huge surgery. The scar is over my heart right now. It's still there to remind me, don't lose your sense of your heart. And this is who I was when I walked into Flavie's room. And I go, how you doing Flav? She was in there because of uh, complications of chemo from lung lung cancer. She said, I'm only doing the chemo because I wanna live a little longer to see my grandkids. And she was just doing a favor for her kids to do this. But she was in there with pneumonia. She was getting a little bit better. I walk in, how you doing Flav? And she looks at me because she could see right through the BS and you know, she said, forget about me. You look like crap today. What's going on with your life? How are you going to take care of me and everyone else if you can't take care of yourself? And she just, she gave it to me. But in that moment, something started to shift. It was the first, the first little opening because she was this beautiful dancer in Vegas, and she had this whole backstory of creativity and dance and self-expression, and she knew that I love the arts, and she, because we would talk, and I said, I love dance and art and humor and comedy. And she said, you lost who you are. How about a dance? And I'm looking around, what do you mean a dance? We're in the hospital. There's, and you
0: got your white jacket on. Your I got my white coat, and, the stethoscope.
1: Yeah. And should we do this slow? We we and I I look around who's who's you know who's filming me right now? This is crazy. But I say, you know what? Damn right I'm gonna dance with Flavie. And as we're doing this little dance, I spin her around. She says, You gotta learn to have fun in life. You got to have fun in life or it's going to kill you. You don't have to be perfect all the time. And these words went straight to my core. It was everything I forgot, everything that I needed to hear when I was at my lowest point. And she started me on this journey to not only rediscover who I wanted to be as a doctor, but who I wanted to be as a human being as a father, as a husband, as a partner. And so after that, the Flavvy effect, as I called it, and, and you helped me coin that name, the Flavy effect started to come over all of my patients and all of my life. And I started to realize I needed to take care of myself at the heart, mind, body, soul level and follow my dream. So I could then be the doctor I wanted to be for the patients and for myself too. So I could have joy and not, have, not be a burned out zombie doctor, <laughs> but be a doctor that's filled with joy and love. And that's where the book tells the whole story of how the, my own patients through their stories and their love saved my life. And now I got a second chance at life and I want this book to help people get their own second chance without having to have cancer. Yeah, we all uh, need we all need to be shocked back into the land of the living, especially during now, a pandemic, after yes, a pandemic.
0: Yes. Let me ask you, because, you know, we're both in California, which is known for our California woo woo.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: so, you know, I hear <laughs> I can hear in the audience skeptics. I can hear like, you know what, this is kind of B.S you know, love is the strongest medicine. I don't think so. I think the chemo is, I think radiation is. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and you are, you know, between two worlds, you, you, you know, you're a trained MD. Um, So what would you say to this person who is so skeptical of, of approaching something as life threatening and serious as, as cancer? I mean, do you have any evidence that, Um, shifting to one of love and self-care can help prevent cancer or help you, you know, improve your T-cell count.
1: There really is evidence. There is total evidence. First, let's just start with laughter because laughter, laughter and love come one and one in the same to me, right? Nothing connects two people faster than sharing a laugh, And there's been studies uh, out of Loma Linda university, you know, the studies. And um, when you, when you have laughter, deep belly laughs, you're stimulating your immune system. Your T cells do go up, you're fighting off stress. Your, your cortisol level goes, goes down. And so, yes, there is solid evidence that laughter, which is part of love, laughter, love connection and compassion all do all do help you do better. Now I'm saying you're still. I'm not saying that it's instead of. It's not instead of. It's in addition to, and that's the thing. Integrative, integrative, functional, integrative, complementary. It go from this in the 70s it was called alternative, and then in the 90s it was complementary, and then in the 2000s it was integrative, and now it's called functional. It's all the same though. It's using the power of the human body, mind, spirit, in addition to the best of Western medicine. So it's not, in, it's not instead of, it's both. When you have two patients who are going through the same treatments, treatment delivered with compassion and love, and, and, and that to me is laughter and music and connection and creativity, They do better because now we are not only using the medicines, we're not only using the best chemo, immunotherapy, biologics, now we're getting the patient's mind and body in the game to help us. Side effects go down. Patients can stay on their treatments better. And side effects come down. Patients can deal with pain better. And all of this is shown. There's this wonderful book that I recently discovered. And I was like, holy crap. I was actually onto something without even knowing it when I was doing this for the last 20 years. There's a book called Compassionomics, Compassionomics. And it's all about the studies that show, and these are hundreds of studies that show that compassion does make a difference for patients. Not only do they not fire their doctors and hate their doctors, but they actually do better. They tolerate treatments better. They comply better. They have better adherence. They tolerate pain better. Their pain threshold goes down. Uh, you know they can tolerate more pain without having to increase the pain medications. So it's unbelievable what's possible when you combine your mind and your body and your soul with traditional medicine. Okay,
0: Well, that's, that's good to know. And I love how it says in the description on Amazon of your book, love is the strongest medicine, which, you know, muzzle tough on it coming out uh, yeah. as number, the number one new release on Amazon. So that is fantastic, doctor. And I love how it says that in your, as you say, in your oncology practice, the enemy is cancer, but is also denial, anger, and fear draining emotions that can interfere with the effectiveness of treatment. So my question to you is um, what we know what treatment is for cancer, but what is treatment for uh, one of your patients who is deep in denial, anger, and fear?
1: Yep, the first thing that I tell the patient when they feel those things is it's okay. It's not to run away from it. And that's repression, that is repressing these emotions and they come out in other ways. If you repress all these things down, they will come out as a headache, they will come out as worsening pain, muscle aches, decreased sleep. You need these things to get through the treatment. You need these things to get your immune system. The best thing you could ever do is a good night's sleep to help the treatments work. But all of those things you just mentioned interfere with sleep. So what is the best thing to do? not fight it. It's not to say, oh, just think positive, Molly, and you'll just everything will get better. Just think positive. No, that's not the answer. The answer is to embrace how you're feeling and let it be OK and fully experience what you're experiencing. It's OK to have a shitty day. I hug it out with patience and say, feel what you're feeling it's okay, let it be fully there, self-expression. They might have to cry, they might have to yell, this sucks in the chemo room, in, my, in the exam room with me, as I'm holding them, as I'm going through this experience, they have to when break through it, let them get through it. And then on the other side, there's an opening. It could be 1% better than yesterday. It could be 0.5% better than a minute ago. And that little spark, that little opening can expand, can expand. All of a sudden, they were in the vicious cycle, turning counterclockwise. Now it slows down, it stops. And slowly we're turning it to a virtuous cycle. And that's what Flavie did for me. My vicious cycle was compounding and compounding, not sleep, feeling worse, feeling this, feeling horrible. When you can start to shift it, and the first step is to let it be how it is, not to you, fight so it. So you
0: give you give your patients freedom, permission,
1: right? Permission to laugh, permission to scream, permission to have a shitty day, permission to hug it out, to 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 punch my hand. I'll hold up a pillow. Punch it. That's the cancer. You've got to <laughs> let the expression. It's Rocky Balboa. I'm from Philadelphia when it co- originally. You have to sometimes if you're knocked down, what was Rocky's Rocky? All he wanted to do was go the distance in that first movie with Apollo. He got knocked down so many times, but he got back up. And that is what you have. That's the first step I tell a patient. You don't have to be Superwoman. You don't have to be Wonder Woman. Just be who you are. Feel exactly how you feel. I'm giving you the permission. Because okay, yeah.
0: Because if you keep them inside, um, you like you say, they prevent sleep. Um, they come out in other ways. Yes. And it and, yes. and stress it, makes
1: everything worse, a hundred times worse. worse. So, so you're you're already stressed because you got a diagnosis and that is that's a post-traumatic stress disorder yeah now
0: now we talked about you know okay letting negative emotions not to repress them you talked about the power of laughter now um i recall that you also had a patient that you really encouraged uh to to do music together right and you, you brought your guitar in there with him and and yeah. I remember, I remember the story about uh, about encouraging people to express themselves uh, using music, right? Yes, yes. With, with Flavi, I know you you danced with her in in her room. Yes, um, and and then with another one, tell tell me a little bit about the music and yes. and how that works.
1: Well. You know, I've I'm am I'm a songwriter at heart. You know, with a white coat, I'm a songwriter in a white coat. I've been writing songs since I was in seventh grade. So what you know, what I wanted to do was nudge someone back to their highest self, nudge them, remind them who they are, that they're not their cancer. So I noticed that. In hospice, there's something called life review, where you go over what you you want people to know about you. But this, I decided, let's do it as a song. And I decided to do it after my favorite artist wrote a song for me. When I was in my biggest mess, like we talked about, at the same time, I entered a songwriting contest by Peter Himmelman. I won the contest. He wrote a song for me. He lives in Santa Monica. He's a Grammy-nominated artist. The prize was he'll write a song about you. He took what I wrote, which was all about expression and loving patients and writing songs for patients and trying to express myself. He wrote a song for me, and it changed my life so much because it reminded me who I was. I wasn't the mess. I was the kid who wanted to bring music and love and light to cancer patients. And so when I got that song and I met Flavie and the dance and the song, it was like a perfect storm. And then I decided I'm doing this for patients. So I talked to a patient. I write down what they love. How did you meet your wife? How did you meet your husband? How did you, what were you like as a child? Who do you, who do you, what do you want the world to know about you? What would you put on a billboard that's just for you? And these little things become song lyrics. it's a two and a half minute little song that reminds patients that they're not their disease they're a beautiful human being going through treatment for a horrible disease it doesn't define you and so when they hear this and many times it's the first creative thing a patient's done since grade school with you know they've, they've written maybe they wrote something in you know high school or college they had to write poetry Now I'm writing a song with a patient. I'm not doing it alone. We do it together. So their self-expression comes out. They go, oh no, I like this. I like this lyric, you know, because I I will go back and read all the lyrics, all the notes I've taken. And I go, I really like when you said, you know, um, having 10 dogs and five cats brings you a lot of nurturing to your soul. And so there's a lyric about 10 dogs and five cats <laughs> and, and Flavie likes to wear all of her hats. Like it's, you know, we have to, the song is, and the song lives on. Even when the patient passes away, the song lives on for the family. And it just becomes this nudge towards who they are, who they want to be, who they always knew themselves to be, that they're not solely defined by this disease. Because it takes over your life, it takes over your identity, and it doesn't have to. It's hard, but doing a song, doing a creativity, laughing together, writing a bit, watching a Seinfeld bit together—all these things can remind you of who you truly are.
0: Wow that that is so that is so great because I, you know, whenever I get sick, I put. Um, Um, And I thank God I uh, knock on something. I've never had cancer. Whenever I'm sick is like everything goes on hold. And I do have this worry in me um, that, oh my God, it's going to get worse. Is it going to get worse? I mean, this is pretty horrible right now, but is it going to get worse? Is it going to get worse? And then I start to freak out, right? And the last thing I would think of in that moment is to like do a joke about it mm. or, you know, get up and dance. And, and, you know, it's like, how, what are your suggestions on when we're so ensconced in our stress mm. and so ensconced in our, I, I guess in many incidences, it's, you know, cause we're dealing with life and death. We're in terror. How do, do we access that, right? How do we yeah. access that? Because for myself, I, you know, even though I'm a very creative person, um, totally. but even when I'm the least bit tired, <laughs> I can't write any jokes. Now I'm exhausted. So certainly, I can't even imagine, you know, having a life-threatening illness and going like, "Gee, I just got to sing a song." Mm. I mean, you know, like know. how do you? How do you, you know, get to that place?
1: Well, it takes, it's not easy, first of all. It's not easy. It sounds a lot easier than it is. But you have to create it. You have to sort of fake it till you make it. It's laughing in the face of it so the you might not be able to laugh at it initially but you might have to do laughter yoga which is fake oh. well that's fake it till you make it that's oh, that's like
0: yoga let's that's, that's where people go like
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you you are you're in a group of people and you're and and it's contagious because you're laughing for no reason and it's very similar in many ways it isn't easy it isn't easy for a patient to open up to me when they're in the midst of it about something that inspired them when they were in high school or when how they felt when they first met their loved one but it's a create it's a creative act and it's a deliberate you have to be deliberately creative. It's laughing or creating, expressing in the face of not wanting to, too tired to, because you're, you're we're trapped in the vicious cycle. And the only way to break it is to have a deliberate, deliberate act of creativity. And that takes scheduling it, having a phone call with me, being there and answering my questions, And being there with me and being present. And so the first thing is to be present in your life. And then, look, the first thing we think of, is it always going to be this bad? Am I always going to have this pain that I have right now? And the answer is no, it will. This too shall pass. With medication, with meditation, it it can ease up and it will ease up. But that gets back to, where am I right now in the present moment? And what can I? How can I use my five senses to just be a hundred percent where I am and not this is going to be the rest of my life? This is going to be the most horrible thing for the next five years, and then I'm dead. No. It's look outside at that tree, the leaves blowing in the wind right now. It's smell that coffee brewing. It's doing a little chair yoga if you can't do real yoga it's doing some chair yoga and feeling your muscles stretch a little it's getting into your physical sensations and realizing it's going to pass it's going this too shall pass and ah. it's getting back to the present moment so it is it's deliberately getting present into the into your body into your senses forcing yourself to do it even when you don't want to and then taking the next step and then 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 something opens up
0: that is wonderful we're we're at the end of our podcast and so when you need more information you guys you're just going to have to get this book it's so fabulous but i do want to do a a little recap Uh, i you know from some some points that you make that are so important about when you have these, what we call negative emotions, right? Don't fight them. Embrace them. Anger, fear, go into it. Let it out. Feel it. Laugh. That was really good. And then if you can't laugh, fake it till you make it, right? Yes, yes. But do laughter, yoga with, with a couple people you can even join groups online, I think, of um, yes. you know people. Laughter just...
1: Heels, LaughterHeels.org is, is our friend uh, Craig, who who has Laughter Heels, which is such a beautiful thing as well.
0: That's wonderful. And that uh, to be present, to be with yourself now, and to know, and I thought this was really wonderful. <coughs> Sorry, <laughs> hey. sneeze. Um, Bless you. Is that um, you are not your cancer, you are not your illness, and that's I loved when you said that because I think when people do have a life-threatening situation, it's all you think about. You start that becomes your identity, and and it seems to me is that you remind your patients of something bigger that they are.
1: Yes, yes. It's, it can start off as simple as a distraction. It started off when I just brought the chemo. I brought the guitar into the chemo room. I wasn't doing personal songs yet, but I was just making up little Adam Sandler bits like, hey, Ethel, what's your husband's name? Bart. Hey, this song's about Bart and he does a lot of art, you know, like we just would make up a little bit and it would make them laugh. And just because you'd like to hear your name in a silly little song, it starts off as distraction, but it grows into this, into this beautiful thing that is like, okay, that is wait. Wonderful. Yeah, that I'm, is wonderful. I'm not my cancer.
0: And, you know, I know you keep calling me and going like, I want you to write material. Help me write material for my stand-up act. And, you know, I always say the same thing. Keep your day job, okay? <laughs> keep your day job. So everybody, I'm going to put the link to his book. <laughs> Love is the Strongest Medicine. You know, if you have something you're going through, uh, let take get a dose of Dr. Steven Eisenberg's book. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Judy. Love you.
0: For your special gift, go to themessageofyou.com. That's themessageofyou.com and get your free one-year subscription to The Message of You University, which is full of lessons to help you find your message and turn it into a book, a TED Talk, or a paid speaking career that's the